0: Welcome to Real Creative Leadership, a place where creative leaders can find insights and practical guidance on the day-to-day job of being a creative leader. We focus on real issues, topics, and insights of creativity in the business world. Join me as we explore the best strategies for developing your team, getting others to embrace your vision, and generating amazing experiences. This webinar series is produced by The Stoke Group. I'm your host, Adam Morgan, Adobe Executive Creative Director and author of Sorry Spock Emotions Drive Business. And this is Real Creative Leadership. I've never seen growth and scale as just a a consistent up and to the right. You're going to hit walls. And depending on the size of your company, you're absolutely going to hit a wall. And what do I mean by a wall? So let's take my example of my friends Julie and, and Terry. They started a small agency and they only have a couple people and it, the equation doesn't go, I add more people, it just keeps growing. I add more people, it just keeps growing. It's not linear. It's more like steps. Like you'll have a bunch of people to solve the work that you have, and then you hit a wall, and it's this huge step. And you have to be able to get up and over that step in order to get out the next platform. Um, so for example... I often see a lot of small freelance groups that are one to five people and there's a reason why they're one to five people is because they have those core skill sets like maybe they have a writer and a couple designers and a project manager and that's perfect and they can scale and work but then they're going to hit a point where they can't take on big, big clients because they're just too small, right? And they're not going to jump up to a huge team overnight because that just doesn't happen. In fact, there's an awesome story. So in Christian Bonden & Partners when they started their agency and there's a book that they put out that's awesome. And they were just a couple people, uh, I think it was maybe even just the two uh, founders, and they were courting a new client. And it was a bigger client. And normally if the client looked and said, oh, you only have two people, how are you going to be able to service my account? There's no way. You know, it's just like they just wouldn't even be in the running. But what they did it was pretty ingenious. They, <clears throat> the building that they worked in was this big law firm, and they just had one small little, uh, little office in there. But when they had the client come over to do a, a meet and greet with the client, they just printed a sign that uh, said the, the logo of their agency and they put it over the top of the, the uh, law firm and then when the client came, to, the, they just met him in the lobby and the client just thought, oh, all these people busily working behind them, those are all just people in their agency. And they played it off and was like, oh, you know what, let's not be here at the office. Let's just go to this fun, we got a great place down the street that's a fun hole in the wall. We should go just chat there and we'll be private. And so it was an awesome trick that they got into that. That's how they jumped to the next category because once they won that account, then they had the money to go and hire a bunch of people and actually build the team. Whereas normally you, you can't, it, it's hard to just like put a bunch of people out there in order to hope for a client when you don't have it. So I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant idea. But again, don't think of it in terms of a linear scale. Think of it as set of steps. So. These are the buckets that I usually see. When you're at one to five, that's all hats, meaning you are wearing all the hats. You're doing all the work. You just have this core group of people who just do everything. Um, And you may have specific skill sets within that, but it's still like, doesn't matter what the request is. You just take it and you figure it out. The next, and then there's like, you hit that wall of like going beyond five or six up to 10. And if you can get enough good steady work, then you get up to that, um, whether that's in-house or an agency, it's enough projects to keep that many people busy. Then I see you go to ten, and once you're in that ten on that ten step, then for me it's more of like generalists. Like you have different skills, but you're still again trying to do a lot of things, and you can't. You don't wear all the hats, but you may have to wear like two hats. You may have to do a lot of long-form writing and short-form writing and uh, social writing, whatever it may be. But you're not doing project management right at the size of ten. And then once you get that to that next step, which is about 20, then you're all specialists. Then on the team, you have the long-form writer, you have the, the designer, you have the art director who's focused on, you know, more like big concepts. And you have the more fine artist designer who's doing all of the, the print stuff or, you know, the web stuff. And you may have, anyhow, just all these specialists that work on your team. And that's, that I would say for like the most part is most in-house teams are in that range of like 10 to 20. So they may have like a video producer, they may have the writer, the designer, like all that stuff. Um, and that's usually the specialist team, our specialists. And then beyond that, when you're like 30 plus, that's when I see like instead of it just being this massive, massive creative department, then it starts to break down a specialist teams. So you have your video team, you have your writing team, you have your design team, or maybe it's just like your project management group. And then you have a leader on each of those who are managing all the different people who are doing the work. So just know those breakpoints. And why is it important to know that? Just so that as you're starting something out, don't think that, oh, I'm just going to go straight from five to 30. It may be really, really hard to do that because you don't have the money to flex that fast. That's obviously why some of these agencies have gone to the freelance agency model because they can only hire a few all purpose people, and then flex in all the rest in order to create their agency. And then as they build it up over time, then they have enough money that they could actually become you know, a full service agency, or maybe they don't want to, maybe they stay with that model. So just be aware of those growth breakpoints so that as you're growing your team, you know when, you know, if, if I'm at 11 people, I'm not gonna go into the board and say, hey, I need 10 more people. It's probably not gonna happen. They're gonna say, no, we don't know if that work's gonna come up and down, so there's no way. So that's when you have to flex and scale, and then you have to permanently be scaled at a certain point before you get the resources to jump to the next one. So just keep that in mind that it may be a pipe dream if you're thinking you're just gonna go in a linear fashion straight up to the next next break point. All right, let's talk about costs. So costs. Again, we talked a little bit about this earlier. It used to be um, that, you know, with all those different models, and I'm going to have to talk between agencies and or, um, in-house, <clears throat> that costs are, you know, for in-house, it's usually, do I have budget that I can flex and bring in people temporarily, or do I get permanent budget that allows me to go out and hire someone full-time? So that's really the balance you're you're dealing with in costs, and I want to go down to the bottom on that hiring 2080 multiplier thing. So if you're bringing someone on full time, that number 2080 is just an awesome number for me of knowing the difference between like an hourly up to a salary. So it's just the equivalent of of doing the math of I take that number if I'm paying someone, you know, 30 bucks an hour times 40 hours a week times, you know, however many months, blah, blah, blah. If you just do take the number of the hourly and times it by 2080, that'll give you what the, the salary is for a full year. And then you have to add the multiplier because sometimes people make the mistake of like, oh, I'm going to go hire someone and they'll do the math and they're only adding in the salary and they're not doing the multiplier, which is all the other benefits. And from my experience, it's usually like, you know, if, if let's say there was someone you were doing freelance and you figured out what their salary is, times it by 1.5, because it's going to be about 50% more to, to cover all of their benefits, health insurance, um, 401k, all that other stuff, vacation, time off, loss, all that stuff. It's a lot more than you think. So when you're being realistic, as I've hired different people, I know that I have to figure out what my what my markup is, um, and that's all based on the benefits that you give. If you have a very benefits rich company, then that number that multiplier is going to be higher. If it's more of a bare bones startup, whatever it may be, that may be lower. So definitely keep that in mind. If your goal is to scale by hiring full time. Uh, be aware of all the costs and just add that in, go 1.5 or even more 1.75 depending because that's the rea- that's the real cost and then you won't be in trouble when your your budgets are totally in trouble because you've overhired. Um, okay, so what about for contractors? because that's almost the same thing. Um, instead of doing your multiplier for your benefits, what you have to do is say here's the the salary for the person for the year and then what's the contract multiplier? So depending on the contractor agency you go with, some of them may be, you know, whatever that X multiplier is. A lot of times it's like 25% or 30%. Um, So whatever the the cost for that salary salary is, then you have to put the multiplier on there. Um, So that's just something to keep in mind. And obviously, you know, you can shop around if usually with a contractor... There's not that much value add. It's mostly they're just doing all the, the behind the scenes work for the contract and for the pricing and the payment and all that kind of stuff. And you just want that quick service. So you can ask around, but there may be some that ask that charge a little bit more, but give you more value. They may say, okay, it's great, but we're gonna, we're gonna take care of this benefit or we're gonna um, you know, actually have a creative director who internally helps with all their work and makes it better. <clears throat> I found that that's actually a huge value add even on the, like, the freelance agency. So they may only have a few people on site, but instead of me just going out and just hiring a freelancer directly because then I have to creative direct them, they may have a creative director on their team and say, you know what, we know what level of work you want, so we'll use our freelancers and then do a round with them beforehand to make sure it's solid, especially if it's someone's new and you've never vetted them out. They'll take care of that for you and then that you're going to be paying a little bit more because you're getting that service from them where they're basically saving you time to not have to babysit all of these different freelancers and get them up to, to the right level. So that's something to keep in mind, whether you're going contractor multiplier or you're going for a, uh, an agency rate, find out what value you're getting from it. Um, and in terms of agencies, agencies, there's different models. Um, more and more, I'm seeing it just by project. So build per project. So they'll come out and say, and this is especially to a video. If you wanna do this video project, here's how much it's gonna cost. And by the way, I think that's phenomenal. I am a huge proponent of per project because it's no longer about hours. Um, I have this huge rant, if you wanna go on my Medium uh, publication and look at why you know timesheets are the devil, um, I feel like we, put, we should be paying for the service. If you want X, then pay for X. If you want a video, here's the price for the video. If you want um, an email program, here's the price for the email program. If you want a website, here's the price. And just pay for the project and then It's on the freelancer or the agency to figure out how they stay profitable from that project. Or even the team, like if it's on my team, if I want to bring someone on a contractor, I want them for that project um, rather than doing rates. Because the other models that agencies use, they use um, rates. So you could have a blended rate where they say, doesn't matter who in the agency is going to work on your account, we're going to charge you a blended rate of $200 per hour. or they may have role rates where they could say, all right, if a junior person works on it, they're, we're gonna charge you $100 an hour. And if a senior person works on it, we're gonna charge you $350 an hour. And then there's all these different breakpoints in between. Um, and sometimes that can be nice if you're looking for specific talent. And sometimes it can be a huge headache because there's just so much math that you're doing all the time. Like you're wasting more time dealing with figuring out which rates are which and who and how are getting billed for it rather than just a flat rate. So sometimes blended rates are great. And then it's easier to compare agency to agency. You can say, "All right, the blended rate for this agency is 225 and this one's 300 and they're both awesome, you know, then you'll know the difference." So anyhow, they do blended rates or we do sometimes it's agency of record where it's just like, "Here's your cost every quarter it's going to cost you X amount and then you get all the thought or all the whatever that we can offer you um and on the, when it, when that kind of a contract happens, then they're usually going to spell out how many people are going to work on your account." So they're going to have 10 people for this cost every quarter. That's what you get. And they'll be full-time on your work, uh, on your business. So that means you can give them as much as you want, uh, as long as you keep those 10 people busy. So that's how it works with uh, with agencies. Now, with freelancers, it's different. Freelance rates, obviously, if you can do per project, great. And then you'll just have to figure out what the value is for that project. But <clears throat> in my experience, and again, this could change based on city uh, or what the going rates are, but there was usually like three breakpoints in freelance rates. There was like the entry level cheap rate. And let's just say that's, you know, let's say that's 50 to $75 an hour. And that may seem like a lot because normally if you're hiring someone and you're only going to pay them, you know, 25, $30 an hour. But the reason why is because freelance rates are going to be more because they're, they have to cover all their overhead and, and it's not consistent. Like they're just coming in for that short time. So you'd have that, you know, 50 to 75 range. And that was usually for like younger, junior, um, kind of a a rate. And so it may be cheaper, but again, you may spend a lot more time getting to the final output because they may just take a little longer because they're junior. And then there was the range of like 75 to 125 or something around there. And that was more like the mid range. And that was just like classic writer, designer, whatever it was that you're freelancing and you bring them in and that's their freelance rate. And they're going to be solid, hardworking, awesome, talented, you know, and go from there. And then beyond that, then you would get into the higher uh, threshold, which is 125 and up. Um, And those usually higher freelance rates are usually for someone who's really seasoned, really senior, who'd come in and maybe you'd pay fewer hours because they just know what to do and they'd they'd figure it out. And, And again, that was more of like... Utah rates. You could be in the Bay Area, you could be in, in New York, and it just multiply all of those things. So, or if you're in a small town, it may be less and maybe, you know, 75 is 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 high. So obviously what you just need to do is just go out and ask different freelancers or ask people maybe who you're not going to be hiring and just say what they, the going rates are with the agency they're using, the freelancers they're using, whatever it may be. And then you can kind of get a sense for the ranges and how much you're going to be paying for for all these different people. So hopefully that helps with costs. Um, There are some websites that will help you with that and they'll just figure out the pricing for you. But usually, you know, obviously if you're a freelancer, you want to charge the right amount so your work is valued. In fact, one of the biggest rules of thumbs, again, I'm not here to help you with your freelance career, but for me, it's always never do freelance for free. It, freelance is not free and don't ever hire someone and have them do it for free as a favor with hopes for better work later. It's just, that's the worst model and it doesn't work and you don't get good value. So pay the price that you want for the quality that you want and then go from there. All right, we're nearing the end here. I just had a few final considerations to think about. Um, in terms of scale, so obviously we have to scale as a leader you need them to learn and you should be doing it all the time. Always be figuring out what your scale options are And so what that really means is scale is all about relationships. For me, that is critical. Building those relationships, it's not just about now and right and the the current needs you have. It's the next month away, six months away, two years away. It doesn't matter, but it's really about relationships. Having a network of people who are looking or people who are talented is really important. I may even get people who always, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. Do you know of anything that's happening? Because I've built that network, they know that I'll be looking for things, whether it's for me or not. And I may not even use them at that time, but I'll forward them on to someone else who's looking. So just remember that scale is about relationships. If you're starting out fresh, it's really rough to scale. It's really, really rough. So build, build, build relationships and and start doing it now. And then the next point here is like from production to partnership. It's really, as you're scaling your team, uh, especially if it's an internal in-house team, it's important If you want um, to have more options on scaling, it's important to change from being a set of hands to being a strategic partner. When you're a set of hands, all the scaling decisions almost are out of your hands and they go to whoever the owner of the business is or whoever the, the person who is in charge of those budgets. They'll just come to you and say, hey, this is the thing we need and here's how much money you got and you may not have that many options. So if you as a creative leader can start to work to train and say, I'm not a monkey, you know, a set of hands. I'm not just going to do your production work, but I'm going to be a strategic partner and I'm going to have this network and I'm going to understand all these different skills and the nuances and who's talented, who's not. And the more you train yourself to have all of those values and then you go to your stakeholders, you go to your, you know, board of directors and you say, here's what I'm providing. I have all of this stuff and I know how to scale and I have the network. Then you're a strategic partner and you're changing the equation from just production, get it done to... What are all the possibilities that we can do and grow and change and make this company great? Then when you can change that narrative where you're a strategic partner, then you have a completely different vantage point for scaling. Then the control comes to you and they'll just say, okay, what do you need in order to do X? And then you can decide and scale and figure out the right way to do it. So I would just say, keep that in mind as you're becoming a creative leader. It's Get those relationships and then prove your value by becoming a strategic partner. Make sure you show Here's what I bring to the table. Here's why I can help with growth, with scale, with all this stuff in the right way and grow the team in the right way or bring in the right people because I know everyone. All right. And that's it. And finally, COVID. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, I'm here at home recording. You know, we're, we're all dealing with this together. So there are a lot of considerations. Like, what's, you know, I see a lot of people right now flexing and pulling back and cutting budgets and, and being afraid and, uh, because of uncertainty. So... The best thing you can do is, if you have all these different options in front of you, find the right ones that are flexible for right now. Meaning, you know, here at Adobe, we've paused, you know, I'm pausing hiring for a while because I want to use more flexible options until we get back into a a natural state. And that may still be fine, like you could now people, you know, look for people who have been let go or people who don't have jobs because they'll still have availability and this may be the perfect time to flex some freelancer, flex some, um, some contractors or whatever you may be doing. Um, just find those ways to f- be flexible now and still keep building for the future. And Right now is a good time to be in a building mode. F- who are the talent? How do I get a hold of them? If you're stuck at home and you don't have ways to go to uh, connect with other people or networking options. You can still, you know, like I said, look for those award shows, look for those clubs, look for things, groups. There's online stuff still happening and you can still find the right people and give opportunities and jobs. Or maybe even if it's for yourself and how you can reach out and and be available to flex for other people during a situation like this. So anyhow, hopefully this gave this whole, you know, session gave you a lot of at least options of knowing what's out there from my experience, what I've used, what I've done, um, different scenarios of, of size of company. And hopefully that at least gives you a taste of, of, of what you have and what's out there. I want to thank Stoke for producing this podcast. They do an amazing job of getting this out to all of you. And, uh, thank you for all of you for listening, whether you are coming to the webinar or listening later on the podcast. I appreciate it. And we will see you at the next episode of Real Creative Leadership with Adam Morgan.